Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, on this special edition of Friday. So good afternoon to all of you. For those of you that normally follow my show, you know that I do Mondays at 1 o'clock Pacific time. But today is a special edition show because it's a special show because my guests are storytellers. And if you know anything about me, you know that what's your story is that's what I'm all about. So this is a perfect match. And I, and I would just like you all to know that there's going to be a lot of us on this microphone today. And I'd like to start off by telling you that Jim Mueller who is the producer of the South Bay Story Show, is joining me for the fifth time on my show today. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hi, Marcia. It's great to be on your show, and thank you, and I've enjoyed every single time that I've been with you. Thank you. Three of them were in the studio, right? But now we make it simple, Jim. You can just sit in your pajamas at home, and you can call in, and no one will know. <laughs> and along, <laughs> along, with Jim, along with Jim are three of the nine storytellers that will be at your show. There's John Grant, there's Judy Francis, and there's Russell Buschetto. And I'd like to welcome you to the show, John. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you, Marsha. I'm looking forward to today and, and sharing our stories. Uh, I've heard your program before, and I'm just so thankful to be here. Thank you so much. Terrific. And, you know, another part of my show is conversations plus connections equals community, and you and I have a mutual connection in the Kiwanis Club from Redondo Beach, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I had two of your members on my show last year. Okay, so there's that connection. And hi, Judy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Marcia. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited about about doing this. Me too. And last but certainly not least is Russell Buschetto. And Russell, just so you know, he is really a part of what I consider my extended family. I think of him as a son of mine. And I love and adore him, and this is his fourth time joining me on the show. So, hi, Russell. Thanks for coming back. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, Jim, let's let's just dive into the whole idea of storytelling. And you are the producer of the South Bay Story Show. I thought you could give us a little bit of a background and tell us how you came to produce a storytelling stage show. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Several reasons, Marsha. You know, the true stories of the people are a treasure. And, you know, it's, it's like great art. And I wanted to provide a place where people could experience and enjoy that treasure. And I'm, You know, another thing about 
great storytelling. It's not just great theater, but you always learn something from. So I've extended that to the community. So the motto of the show is when the community hears the stories of the people, the community draws closer. Last but not least, Hermosa Beach is a fabulous place to visit. It has the beach and a variety of great restaurants within an easy walk. So all it was missing, from my perspective at least, was a great live theater entertainment. So now an evening in Hermosa Beach can be a fabulous dinner at one of the great restaurants along Pier Avenue, a stroll to the beach for to look at the sunset, go out on the pier, and then top it off with a great and memorable show. That would be Saturday night that I like to call date night. And then on Sunday... At 2.30, you can see the show, and then afterwards, go down Pier Avenue, have dinner, and then stroll to the pier and look at the sunset. And it's a great thing to do with a friend, because then you can talk about the show, because there are always surprises. Uh, you know, you, you, you've painted a beautiful picture, and I absolutely agree. And I'm sorry, those of you that don't live nearby, um, I don't have that great opportunity. But I know Russell and I... Uh, the, the last couple of years, we've definitely had dinner prior to the show and walked over, so it is really great. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what happens at the show? Right. Well, it's a, it's a live stage show, and it happens in a uh, kind of a smaller theater that I think is ideal for storytelling. And it allows us to uh, have very, very little between the audience, the listener of the story, and the teller of the story. We don't need microphones and podiums and all that sort of thing. The storyteller just stands up there in front of the audience of about 100 people and um, will just tell his story uh, or her story. So we have three types of stories, actually, in this particular show, and we start out with our musical story. Now, the musical story, uh, since music has always been a great part of storytelling, in our show, the musical story is always a solo instrument, and I try to get musicians who are great, really good players, but playing instruments that aren't often featured as a solo thing. And I think this by itself, just the fact of hearing an instrument you don't often hear solo, is an interesting part of the show to the audience. So this time we have Alex Hahn, and he'll tell his story with his saxophone. Even though you often hear solo sax in front of a band, you don't often hear it all by itself. And it has the sound qualities that are much like the human voice. Alex is a great young talent. And then after Alex, we have eight people, including John and Judy and Russell, each telling a true personal story that lasts about eight minutes. Uh, and these stories are varied and wonderful, each in themselves. They're each a little theater in themselves. I like to think about it as um, the, uh, the theater, the stage, is really in the mind of the person hearing the story. And our storytellers set the stage in the person's mind and imagination. And, um, you know, the action happens all inside the people's heads. It's, so it's like theater in your head. And mm. the stories are about a time in their lives or some incident in their lives, but they're true and they're personal. Now, for this show, I've added a, a third 
type of story, which is a stand-up comedian, Chuck McPeak. And uh, Chuck is really a great personality. He has a tremendous stage presence. And stand-up is an interesting kind of storytelling. It's, um, it's almost always an observer who's, who's commenting on the oddities and quirks of society and finding the humor in them. So that's what happens at our show. Wow, it's going to be fun. I didn't know about the comedian. I have a couple more questions that I wanted to ask you, Jim, but I think I'm going to move around a little bit and bring John in right now and then come back to a couple of those questions. So, John, okay. I thought maybe you could just tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself. I think it's always interesting for me personally to know something about my guests. So could you just share a little bit about sure. yourself? Sure, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, my name is John Grant, and I'm a resident of Redondo Beach. It's a city that's right next to Hermosa Beach. And I've known Jim for uh, probably the next five or last five or six years, and we've had a kind of a business connection through uh, a uh, couple of our business organizations that we, we mutually do. And he mentioned about this uh, South Bay story show, and I was a little intrigued. I uh, I have recently, over the last two years, I've become a Redondo Beach City Council member, and my story really is about being a city council member and kind of the, the crazy life that we lead, and uh, I've been... In, enjoying actually being able to get stuff done for my neighbors, but also being able to uh, really tackle some of the larger, bigger issues within our city. And it's uh, it's fun, It's I have to say. The, uh, the, the part that everyone always asks about is, what is it like to be a city council member? And I, that's what I'm trying to do with my story. That's terrific. And I, I, you know, as I'm listening to you speak, I realize that not only do we have the connections with Kiwanis, but I know some of the other Redondo Beach people as well, and that's and that is the beauty of conversations and connections because it does build build community. So that's that's really neat. So I'm just curious, why did you decide to be a storyteller? Sure. Well, I, I've uh, as as I mentioned, Jim uh, Jim had had this, and it was intriguing as well, but. I realized that becoming a city council member is uh, kind of an anomaly. And when I say, hey, I'm a city council member for Redondo Beach, everyone either says, oh, I'm so sorry, which <laughs> I get quite a bit, or they say, wow, why, what made you do that? And I've been telling my friends and family and a number of folks that I've met about being a city council member in my personal life. And one of the times that I did that with Jim, he's like, you know, that would be a terrific story. Um, he had, he challenged me to, to actually think about how I would uh, display or, or characterize how to become a city council member and, and what to do. And I'll tell you, it was just a, a wonderful challenge for me to figure that out. I have to say Jim and his crew uh, and his production team have been very helpful in making sure that I uh, kind of stick to the facts and, and make it a personable story and all that. And it's just been a, a great thing to, to be able to be part of. Well, you're going to love it. You're going to love uh, just from the audience perspective, you know, sitting and listening to people stand on stage, recognize that for many people this could be the first time that they're ever on a stage talking about their own personal lives. It, it's, 
it's very it's a, it's a wonderful um, experience for both the speaker, I believe, the storyteller, and the audience because you'll be able we can see each other, and and it really is it becomes personal even though there's a hundred people sitting sitting um, in the audience. So what is so tell us what is the title of your story? <laughs> well. Um, it's it's based on a true event that happened very early in my career as a city council member. I was sitting on the dais one day, and we were talking about a, a state regulation about how to uh, move our elections from odd years to even years to comply with a state law. And one of the ways that you have to do that is you either have to ship them backwards about six months or ship them forward six months or extend the terms. And we were debating that up there, and one of the public came up, and I was advocating, hey, we need to extend our, our elections about six months ahead or further out to be able to comply with this law. And a gentleman came up and said, what, you're complying with law? That sounds like something Vladimir Putin would do, and John Grant wants to do this. <laughs> I, was just, I was a little shocked that someone would compare me to, to Vladimir Putin. So the name of my story is... I am not Vladimir Putin, and I'm trying to make sure that everyone realizes that. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a great title. Did you come up with that title by yourself? I mean, how did you how'd you come up with that title? You know, I, I, I had this story, and I was coming up with it, and Jim and his production team helped me a little bit with that and kind of to craft a little bit uh, more personal and, and bring in the audience to kind of sit in my seat with me. Um, so I, I have to say... I did some of it, but Jim and his team are just fantastic to work with. Well, I, I, you worked with Tony, correct? Yes, with Tony. Yes, absolutely. Tony is still, Tony is still directing, right, Jim? Yes, he's our director. Now, unfortunately, right. Tony caught pneumonia, so. Oh, oh no. Uh, uh, we had uh, yes, well he's he's uh, in the hospital, but he's he's doing okay. Uh, fortunately, he was able to work with all of the storytellers, and so my assistant director uh, Donna is going to take over to handle the rest handle it the rest of the way. So oh, we'll that's be good we'll news. be in good hands, but we're we're really wishing Tony the best, and I, I have bet. to. I have to keep him apprised. He said, you have to keep me up to date as to everything that's going on because I want to know how the show goes. And he's always been very involved. Indeed. He, and he, was, he joined you last year. You know, I remember when I went from being in the studio, which is where both you and Russell came with me, to becoming a podcaster. I believe, Jim, you were my very first podcast last March of 2018, and here we are a year later, and I believe Tony did join you, and I've also, I've also appreciated, as you mentioned at the beginning, that your musical storyteller is also very, very interesting. I remember Don played the flute, you had um, Corbin playing the um, cello, you had trying to think who else was there that that well, played had, so far we've had the the guitar uh which oh, that's is right. you know often a solo instrument that sort of goes against what I was talking about earlier but then we had the clarinet uh that's don um okay. that you're talking about D A W N 
the lady. Then we had Corbin. He was actually playing the bass. And you don't have oh, you don't. Right. He, I got a real education on the solo uh, capabilities of the bass, and it's mm-hmm. it can be an amazing solo instrument. You can actually you can go on YouTube and look it up, and you will be come out of the bass as a solo instrument. Well, I love the fact that I connected Corbin to you because he also is a guest on my show, and he's a fabulous guy. I hope that he's able to join us this year. Um, And then who did did you have last year as the um, musician? Oh, last year we had another fabulous musician, really great, uh, named Chase Jackson. And Chase Jackson plays an instrument called the vibes, the vibraphone, I think is the formal term. It looks kind of like a xylophone, although if you say that to Chase, he'll say it's not a xylophone. (laughs) Yeah, he gets married because it has different sound qualities. Um, You know, the xylophone uh, cannot sustain notes, so it tends to have a kind of a tinkly sound. But the vibraphone mm-hmm. can sustain, and uh, Chase is just amazing at it. Uh, and he plays uh, sort of a you know a lot of creative music, uh, a lot of jazz. Mm-hmm. And at the show, he played uh, standards. And the one that I remember particularly that was so beautiful, the way he had arranged it, it was called Stella by Starlight. Do you know that song? It's part of the American Songbook. Okay. And. Uh, Chase was able to play that just beautifully. And also, our uh, musical storyteller sort of uh, provides the uh, a little interlude between each storyteller. And Chase was able to take the themes of the two stories and sort of blend them into a single uh, interlude between uh, each storyteller. So he was just amazingly mm-hmm. creative. Well, and I think that that's, I, anyone that's listening to this show right now can easily recognize the passion that you have for what you do. Um, you you are you are a passionate storyteller yourself, and I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a while. But I would like to bring um, the rest of our cast members on the show, and then we can all speak. Um, I, we can we can go forward. But Judy, you like John, you too have a story to tell. And I would love for you to share um, something about yourself with the audience now. Well, let's see. I was born in Texas, but brought up in California. And um, it, 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 my um, my background is basically sort of interesting in that I I am black. Radio listeners wouldn't necessarily know that. And I was brought up in a completely white elementary school, and then went to junior high school that had, you know, several blacks, and I learned to what they now call code switch and learned mm-hmm. because I, to, I was told I'd talk like a white girl, and so I I learned to talk and think and, and actually view myself in a whole different way. And then uh, throughout my life, I've, I've had three careers. I was a teacher, high school teacher of French and Spanish, and then uh, an attorney, and then for the most of my career, I was a diplomat and lived overseas for 24 years. And, oh my goodness! Um, there, yeah, and there, in in seven different countries or eight different countries, I mean, yeah, eight different countries, and I um, got a whole concept of of foreigners and how 
they think of race and culture and ethnicity, which is so different from ours. So I was, throughout my life, I've been redefining myself and, and uh, you know, just seeing things differently. And my, that's, that's basically what my story is about. Well, that's, you know, that's really, you know, I'm just, my background. I'm so I'm, I am curious to know, uh, where where did you go to high school? You were you say you were in, were you in Los Angeles? You said I was in Los Angeles. I went to Los Angeles High School. You, you know, went to L.A. At High. At the time that I went, L.A. High. That's right. And mm-hmm. at the time that I went there, it was uh, predominantly white, you know, very mm-hmm. large Jewish uh, community. Yep. Also, it was it was a uh, multicultural. You know, uh, both L.A. High and Dorsey High School were sort of like sister schools, and they had very large Japanese-American population, too. So uh, so I got fascinated by foreign cultures and languages, and that's why I ended up majoring in French and minoring in Spanish. Wow, that's real. And a diplomat, that, that, that was must have been a really it sounds exciting i don't know if it's tedious but it just it sounds like a very um exciting lifestyle well i you know it 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 has elements of both of course like like most uh, most professions but uh for the most part it was exciting sometimes too exciting <laughs> i i served in one country country where there was a coup and you know, it, seeing dead bodies and things are not that—that's not that much fun. But uh, basically, I, I enjoyed the career immensely. It just fit completely into the types of things that I enjoyed doing and learning and, and participating in. Oh, I bet. So, as as um, as we understand, John is not um, Vladimir Putin. Um, what is the title of what is the title of your story? My story is called uh, Am I Black or Am I White? Does it really matter? And uh, anybody that, you know, like I said, they can't see me over the radio, but there would be no doubt in anybody's mind when they see me as to what I am. So they might be a little bit surprised by this. But the reason for that is because, uh, like I said, I went from that transition of being told in junior high school that that I talked like a white girl and, you know, that, Basically, I acted like one, and, and uh, I, I had to make that transition. And then later on, when I got to Africa, you know, I was considered white. <laughs> and it, and it just blew me away. And I said, you know, I come all the way to Africa as a black person to be considered white and realize that their whole definition and their, their it, it is based on on culture rather than race. And even though they use the word that's translated as white, it, it's not that at all. And the other part of, of of my realities or things that I was exposed to is that in the United States, we've gone through this whole thing about uh, being politically correct. And I'm I'm not a big fan of political correctness, I must confess. But um, they, I'd come back, well, you know, when I was a child, I was considered either colored a Negro, and then it became black, and then Afro-American and African-American, and we've gotten so sensitive about what we say to people. We, you know, oh my God, can I say Asian or do or can I do, do I say Asian or do I say Oriental? Oh no, I can't say Oriental. Uh, 
do I say Indian? No, I can't say that. It has to be Native American. And so we're, we actually get afraid to say things because we're afraid that it will offend somebody. Well, in Africa, it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> they say it as they see it. And uh, so part of my little story will be to give some examples of things that, that you know, shocked me at first, but I got used to them in the way that they say things. That's so fascinating what you just said. I live, I live very close to Loyola Marymount University, and yesterday I was at a retreat on implicit bias, and it was really interesting about like what you are just saying right now, especially in the LBDQ community. And uh-huh. and it was it was fascinating and I was telling somebody about this earlier or later in the afternoon and I was mentioning something about one of my black friends and they said uh-huh. Well you say you say black friends? And I say <laughs> I say, Well I don't call myself a Caucasian when I'm talking about my white <laughs> friends so I'm not looking to imply any kind of, you know, stigma or bias or disrespect. Uh-huh. And and like what you just said, Judy, about um, being politically correct, I think intention is very important. But I, I think that awareness is also important, and you want to not be offensive or offend anybody by your language. So I am really... Looking forward to your conversation and what that's going to be like for you to to share that with us. Sure. Will you um, will you have family members in the audience when you're speaking? Uh, well, my son and and daughter-in-law and, and I don't know if the kids are coming or not, but uh, yeah, they they're coming. At, one son, I'm not sure if he'll, he'll be able to make it, but I've, I've got okay. two sons. Okay. So I look I look forward to meeting them. That that'll that'll be real. Uh, that'll be really great, and I I think this is going to be very um, sensitive. I think that based just on the little bit I've come to know you, I think there will also be some humor mixed in, and um, I'm I'm really truly looking forward to your story because there's a whole lot more to you than this particular story, and I know that. I'm thinking that down the road we're going to have a show together, Judy, when you tell us about the school that you started in Ghana because oh, yes. you are you are quite you are quite remarkable, truly. I should have mentioned the um, school because uh, that is my proudest accomplishment. You know that that uh, it's a very poor village called Ayeldu in Ghana, and um, I was able to you know, use my funds to build a school that uh, is still going strong. And uh, I'm trying to send over materials and everything to it. And, you know, it's it's great to see those kids uh, doing well. It is. And I I actually um, have a lot of things I could talk to you about in regards to that as well. And I I actually do look forward to perhaps having you join me um, this summer as we as we explore that, but I would like to bring my my second son onto the show, which is Russell. And um, Russ, I'm I'm really glad that you're going to be going from um, being 
in the audience to being on the stage. And I thought, can you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself so that those of people that don't know you can get to know a little bit about you as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, I am like most people. I, uh, I work a full-time job. I, um, my name is Russell Boschetto and, uh, I I work to support my family. Um, like both my wife and I both work full time jobs. We have two kids. Uh, one's graduating high school. One just started middle school. And um, we're just trying to to live uh, and raise our children to the best of our ability. Um, and uh, at the same time, uh, running a small little uh, nonprofit to try to feed and bring hope to as many people as we can. And, and and I think we'll talk about that. So what I'm curious to know is, Russ, what what why did you decide to be going from the audience to going onto the stage at this time? Well, um, I believe um, I, I've always loved hearing people's stories, and that's the reason why you know when you had first mentioned to me a few years ago about this. Uh, when we went the first time, I was hooked, and I've been going every year since because everybody has just some absolutely amazing stories about things that they've done, and um, and I love how I love the variety of stories that they've had every year, and some make you laugh, and some make you cry, and um, you know some are unbelievable, and and it's just um, it's just a great great night, and and too many times, you know, in in uh, in this crazy world we live in, uh, do we get to go have something that's absolutely positive? You leave that night feeling higher and more uplifted than you did when you got there. And I think that that is an amazing feat just in itself. And so um, I think it was you actually that said, you have a really good story. You you should actually tell your story here. Um, and I remember thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> but, yes, you know, it is. the thing is, 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 is you know, it is. It is a big deal, and um, it's. You know, I'm. I'm telling. I have a unique story because my story is is just as much about me, but it's just as much as about my son at the same time. And what, so, for the people listening, what is the title of your story? Yeah. So the title of my story is "A Dad Helps His Son Feed Them All," and. Um, so it, it, uh, without giving it the whole story away, um, it's about a young eight-year-old boy who saw a problem and decided that he wanted to fix it. And it's the journey that we have now taken coming into our fourth year of trying to uh, feed them all and then how he's grown into doing other stuff as well. Um, and the, the amount of people that he's been able to touch is uh, astounding, uh, just from the people that he's fed to the, to the volunteers that he's touched to the people that have always wanted to do something to make a difference in this world and now have an avenue to do it through the, the drive and in, in, uh, decision-making to be a difference maker of one eight-year-old kid four years ago. I think that it would be great for you to mention the name of your nonprofit 
Otherwise, I'm going to just do like a whole commercial plug, and I want you to go ahead and do it. <laughs> I'm a board member. I'm very proud you know, to be serving with you. Yeah, so so our, our small nonprofit is named Share Hope USA, and um, our sole purpose is to uh, share hope with as many people as we can. We focus main, mainly on um, the homeless and uh and we do. We have monthly homeless events where we go out and we feed the homeless, we cut the hair of the homeless, we groom their dogs, we give them warm meals, blankets, flashlights, whatever they need. Um, in addition, we we have uh, we have drives throughout the year where we do drives for the homeless. Our big drive is the Plato Drive. It's coming up in May, and uh, that is where we uh, collect uh, Plato for the Children's Hospital of L.A. Simon. Last year alone, just last year, collected over 15,000 containers of Play-Doh for the Children's Hospital. And over the four-year period, he's been able to collect um, close to 32,000 containers of Play-Doh, and he's fed a little, almost 8,000 homeless. And it's just a, it's a work of passion. And for him, for Simon, it's a work of passion to help others, and he wants to just influence and touch and love everybody. For me, that is a passion for me as well, but for me, it's a passion of being the very best dad that I could possibly be and to help create an amazing human being and be able to support him in what his passion is. And so my passion is Simon, and his passion is helping others, and my passion is helping others, and so it's just an amazing situation. It really is. Um, you said that beautifully, and Simon is so humble, and he, and anyone that meets him immediately just falls in love with him because he's so natural, he's so good spirited, and he yeah, he's very and he's, he's very and you know he's taught us through, with along with your help, Russ, he has taught us how to to look at the homeless condition in a different light. I'll just speak for me. I shouldn't speak for us. I will just speak for me. He, he has taught me that homeless people have names. He has taught me not to be afraid of homeless people. He has taught me how to be grateful. And I've learned a great deal from him, not to mention how you watch an eight-year-old become an honor student not that he wasn't a good student prior, but that he's matured, and and he he is so unassuming, and maybe someday he too will be a, a speaker. I don't know, Jim. Have you ever had a you ever had a child do a storytelling? Uh, no, no. But children have good stories too, so they they, it could be they a possibility. certainly yeah. He, he because Russ, a really really good one, yeah. And and he speaks. He went from being I would consider very shy to becoming quite confident in speaking to students and and going and and doing the circuit where he like you said, Russ. He's not just he's not only feeding homeless and gathering hygiene yeah. kits and clothing and all yeah. of that. The Play-Doh drive is enormous, and then yeah. he's inspired other young people to do a flashlight drive, to do a blanket drive. So yeah. he is a difference maker, and you are that engine that keeps keeps those wheels together. But 
I'm I am obviously very looking uh, looking forward to your show as well. But I'd like to go back to John now for a moment, if we could. And sure. John, so you are you are a city council person, and you're going to be talking about I, I, I like you said you're not Putin. You're going to be talking about that. But what kind of experiences have you drawn on as being a city council person that that brings the ability to share your story by bringing it alive. Sure. Well, um, one of the reasons that I became a city council member is that uh, I was not – my city council member that I had at the time was not doing the job for me. I had a couple of issues, and I just wasn't getting uh, any return on uh, what my requests were, and I couldn't communicate with them. And what I started to really think about was – what would I want? And it's essentially an extension of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. And I brought that to being a city council member. When someone calls me, they expect to call back. That's about it. And then whatever I can do for them or I'll, I'll guide them in their path. And that's what I wanted to step up and be able to do for my neighbors. And I, I call it uh, getting stuff done. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's really taking someone's issue and really putting a face on it, but also making it personal so that we can get it done for them and make it a nicer place to live in Redonda Beach. How often do you meet? Is it a, is, Do you meet monthly? Do you meet weekly? How does that work? Yes, we meet every uh, the first Tuesday and third Tuesday of the month. Uh, we have a closed session that starts at 4.30 in the afternoon. That's where we talk about the real estate transactions and the legal things that are going on within the city. And that's not for public view. At 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. the lights go on. The meetings are televised. And uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really, th- the reason why this story resonates with me is that my mom is a, a, a very much of a watcher of the, the telecast. And these are all broadcast on local television and on the Internet. And my mom watches these. And what, one of the portions of my story is about how the public comes and, and interacts with their elected officials. Remember, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a neighbor first. I'm not a, I'm not a politician. I'm not even a Donald Trump or even a congressman. I'm a volunteer that gets paid $11,000 a year to, to put in time for my community. And people come up and start to kind of treat me that way, and that's part of what my story is about is that one of the most important people that – that has makes decisions on your behalf at as a local city level is a city council member because they're dealing with the roads that are right outside your street. They're making sure that the trash picks up. They're making sure that the traffic on the streets are great, but also making sure that the local tax dollars are spent well. Yet we are doing this essentially as a part-time but also a volunteer job. And when my mom listens to those, she can see that I'm very happy in getting stuff done. But she also sees me being able to handle the public and make sure that uh, things are getting done for the city that are large and small. And uh, that's kind of the fun mm-hmm. part. Well, that's the fun part about the job. That's great. And, and you know, I was saying about how there's connections across everything. Um, is Steve still the mayor of Redondo? Is Steve Espel still the mayor? No, he is not. He uh, he lost his election uh, four years ago, and uh, okay. or pardon me, two years ago. Sorry. And uh, we have another mayor that I get along with very well. Uh, he's definitely okay. has a different personality than uh, uh, Steve Aspo. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's 
it's a matter of, as you say, it's the connections. I have to have connections mm-hmm. with the mayor and my fellow city council members. And then mm-hmm. we are the, the public face of the city as our residents try to interact with the city. And uh, I think that's an important portion or an important linkage between um, our, our residents and getting things done in their neighborhoods. And, uh, again, it makes I me very happy to, really, to do that. And it sounds like it's very transparent. So it I is. think that that's obviously what people are looking for in government anyway. So, and I mean, I realize we're diverging off the South Bay Story Show, but mm-hmm. I, I always I like the human interest side of, of, of people that are guests on my show, and I know there are four of you today. And I, I find that, you know, a, a really interesting for me personally as, as you are sharing your stories because in the case of each of you, I have relatable stories of connections, um, just like L.A. High School and, you, and Judy, you mentioned Dorsey. Um, I'm, a, I'm a native. I grew up in Westchester. I went to Westchester High School. My children went to Westchester High School. And at the time, my children were at Westchester High School. They were by far the minority on that campus. And when my mother went to Dorsey, you know, I that's how far back my lineage goes in Los Angeles. My mother graduated from Dorsey in the winter of 1946. I have friends oh. that have attended Dorsey, and uh, and I, it's 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 really I I and I think that that's what's so lovely about the opportunity to do a show like this. Frankly, uh-huh. is because if we spend this kind of time in discourse where we are just Speaking about what we have that includes us together as opposed to what uh-huh. excludes us, and we recognize that while our stories are all different, we have a commonality that binds us. And I wish that we saw more of that in the news. I wish we saw more of that in the newspaper. There's there's scandals. There's airplanes that go down. There's robberies. There's 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 a lot of things yes. that, that yes you know that that it's like what what happened to the feel good parts of life and and many of us that are that are on the show today are very much um, visible on social network and I can just tell you and I I realize that this is you know what can I tell you I mean Russell is really important to me but if you were to visit Share Hope USA on Facebook. And you were to follow along what what this organization is doing and what it has meant to so many people, and it and it has overarching um, um, elements because one of several of my friends, one in particular that has been a friend of mine since the seventh grade when we went to junior high school and high school together, and she also still lives in Westchester. She has become equally, Leah McKinney uh, Buckley, um, has equally been involved in Share Hope USA because the message is so, I don't know, it just touches you when you, when you feel that you can be involved in an organization that, 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 um, preaches kindness and 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 just wants to make a difference. Um, I 
I, I'm looking forward to the audience because there are two shows, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well before we end the sh- this our show together. But there is the date night, which is on that Saturday night. There is the Sunday show, like you mentioned, Jim. But it's going to give people an opportunity to just get a glimpse in that eight hour, eight minutes. I didn't say eight hours. I mean eight minutes <laughs> of of being on the stage. So. When you guys are getting close to, um, you know, really rehearsing now, because let's face it, it's next weekend. How, what's the, what's the, how do I, how do I measure the nervous energy on a scale of one to ten? We'll start with, with you, John. <laughs> ten being really nervous and one being ah, I got this. Where do you sit on that? Literally, I'm a number one, and the reason being is. I'm a politician. I'm a ham. I love it. So just give me the microphone or put me up on stage, and I'm happy as a clam. So no problem here. Oh, my God. Do you want to know something? So like I said, you and I have never met. That is one of my words. Give me the mic. I love that. That's fabulous. I love hearing that. Oh, my God. What about you, Judy? Where do you sit on the nervous cat? Uh, You're a diplomat. You probably aren't nervous either. I've never – I've never – I've never never done this, so I'm a little nervous, but uh, hopeful. <laughs> yes, I, you're, be, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. And unfortunately, I don't get to see we, as I'm an audience member, I'll be there both nights, the nighttime, the daytime. I don't get to meet the guests until after the show is over. So I, I can't give you a pre-hug. So you're just going to have to feel it now, all right? And we'll do the real deal after the show on Saturday. And what about you, Russ? Where do you sit on the nervous meter? Well, you could probably notch me in at around four and a half. Uh, you know, there's some healthy <laughs> nervousness. You just want to make sure you present it properly and, um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, enunciate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, I have a question for you that I was going to ask you earlier in the show, and that is, okay, so you've been doing this, you've, you've produced all of these shows, you've had 40-plus people telling a story. What about you? Have you ever, have you, you have not been a storyteller, have you? Oh, yes, I've told stories at other shows, but I don't tell oh, okay. stories at the South Bay Story Show, because I don't want to even give a hint that it's about me. I want it to be totally about the people who are on stage telling their stories. And uh, besides that, you know, uh, I'm just like anybody else. I like to be thought of as an interesting person. And I find that I'm most interesting when I encourage people to tell me their stories. <laughs> well, and you know how that works, wonder. right? I do, Jim. <laughs> But no one has to wonder by just the sound of your voice that perhaps you've had some background in some of this, haven't you? Well, yes. Uh, I've, I've done uh, quite a bit of both theater. Uh, I made a feature film, you know, and uh, so I, I've had a lot of experience on stage. But I wanted to say, um, you know, that each one of the people, John and Judy and Russell, uh, in working with them, I found them to be really eager to tell their stories and do it in a way that is going to be most interesting and compelling to the uh, audience. And I think that they have 
really come uh, come out with uh, stories that people will be riveted by, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of different emotions that will come out. There's humor. All three of their stories have humor. Uh, they have uh, serious uh, issues, emotions, kinds of things that they talk about, and. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful experience for the audience, I'm sure. And you know, Marcia, I think I'm yes, uh, Judy, please. No, I I wanted to to just add one more thing. The way I was brought into the South Bay stories is through a friend of mine that I've gotten to know through tennis, but she was on South Bay stories last week. I mean, last year. Uh, her name is uh, Wanda Marine Miller, and oh gosh, ironically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she she was the one that was married to a Klansman, and we've right. gotten to be good friends. So it shows you that miracles can happen. <laughs> oh my gosh, Russell, do you remember Mo? Oh my gosh, she, yeah, Mo. She is, she is. Oh my goodness, she is quite the character, and because I really do have a presence on social media, because obviously I need to, Russell does, Jim does, uh, you know, I uh-huh. become Facebook friends just as you have with me, Judy. And Mo uh-huh. cracks me up. And I did not realize <laughs> that that was your connection. And like uh, John, I would tell you, John, if you don't know anything about Mo, because she's written quite the book herself, and she's had quite an interesting oh, yeah. life story as well. Oh. Yeah, her, her oh. book is last. I'll put in a plug. Her book is Last Trip Home, and and I'm yes. one of the people that wrote one of the comments about it. <laughs> oh no, yeah. kidding! That's funny. Yeah, there's that's that's it's it's really it's so exciting because you just never know. And that's the beauty I would like to share with the three of you that have never spoke before. You never know what's going to happen in the show. As an example, when when Corbin was the musician, music, musical storyteller and I had recommended him to, to Jim, I had recommended another friend of mine that is the reason how I met Russell. And this guy's name is Jabari K. Smith. And if it wasn't for Jabari, I wouldn't have ever met Russell. And Jabari I met because he worked for the Sparks, and I'm a Sparks season ticket holder, and that's how our connection started. And he, you, Jim, you want to tell the story what happened on the Sunday show when he was presenting on his second day? Because it's so Oh, funny. yeah. Jabari, Jabari is one of our storytellers. Um, either a year ago or I don't know, it was two years ago. Anyway, so he uh, was an aspiring NFL player. As a defensive back, he was a star in his college at Texas Tech, and so he was expecting to uh, be drafted by the NFL and play professional football and make a lot of money and, you know, have all that life. Um, And it turned out to be kind of a struggle for him. And he has – he since made a whole uh, uh, um, profession out of helping people – uh, and he wrote a book, too, helping people get through uh, disappointing times and come out the other side uh, with a feeling of strength and empowerment and success. So anyway, he was telling his story about the travails of not getting the call from the NFL, you know, and he went to all these 
workouts and he had an agent and he had everything he should have, but he just didn't get the call. All of a sudden, in the audience, a cell phone went off. And I thought, oh, God, the, you know, my worst nightmare. But Jabari, without missing a beat, he said, oh, the NFL is finally calling me. I'd be curious to know that part. This is John. I'll go ahead real quick. Sorry about that, Judy. Um, I've been reading my story pretty much every day for the last three weeks or so. So I know it pretty well. It's great to be able to have it in front of me to reference it if I need to get the, kind of the context or, or I lose my place a little bit. For the most part, uh, Jim and his production team have just really been able to kind of focus me in, and it's now completely my words. I'm looking at, I probably look at the page once a paragraph, and that's about it. Terrific. All right. And you're going to learn, they'll show you how to walk the stage and engage and and do all of that when you do the physical production. What about for you, Judy? Um, Basically the same thing. I'm you know, I have notes, but I'm trying to study those so that I, I'm not reading them, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yes. And what about you, Russ? Hello, Russell. Is Russell Russell? I know you're still there. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. I, with me, it's it's really easy because this is my story, and uh, so. Um, I, I've lived it. So, you know, I, it's good to have the words in front, like Jim was saying, because, you know, you can, you can look upon them. But um, it's just telling, telling my experience, what's been going on. So it's going to be pretty easy. Great. Great. Well, I'm sure that you're all looking forward to this, and, and it will be very interesting. I, I'm looking forward to finding out from each of you if you felt that, your Saturday night show 
prepared you for your Sunday show and if, if it felt the same or felt different. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're all going to have – I know I asked you, Judy, and, and Russ, I'm, I'm assuming that the family's coming. What about for you, John? Will you have family members there as well? Yes, uh, my, my wife's going to come to both shows, and my mom will definitely be there on Sunday. But I actually have a couple of special guests that I hope arrive. So I have a couple of special guests. Um, when you're a local politician, you have a bunch of trolls that uh, troll you online and make really disgusting comments and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I'm actually reaching out and inviting them and saying, if you would like to show up to my my production there, my uh, show here, I will have a ticket waiting for you at Will Call. And I have three of those folks coming, and I certainly hope they show up. That's awesome. I think that's great. I think that's great because you know something? They may have a different outlook on you after you've spoke for eight minutes. And maybe they won't. And 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 that isn't your goal anyway, frankly. But it would be it would be an interesting um side pocket uh uh benefit if indeed um, these these folks that that you've referred to, I'm sure they're not listening to this show. Um, I'm sure they're we'll, um, Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Marsha. Yes. I, you know, John has taught me. I'm missing a whole audience. I keep I keep telling people invite your friends. Well, I should tell them invite your friends and your enemies. That's a whole new audience. Oh my God. We could fill an entire stadium with people. Jim, you're welcome. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's, well, you know what? Let me just let me just do this mother thing again. All of a sudden, I can't. You're in politics, so yes, there could probably be sides. I can't imagine anybody knowing Russell, Yessie, Hillary, and Simon. And not just thinking that they're better than sliced bread, so you know I, that won't be us. Uh, I don't, be I don't know about that. They they might be already lining up. Uh, I don't think so. And it, it's so funny, you know. Names are so interesting. Russell's name really is Russell, but and I'm sure I don't know. Does does your mom call you Russell? Or no, she's got a nickname for you. She probably doesn't call oh, yeah. you Russell, does she? Moms, moms don't call us by our real names. They call us by our, our nicknames, yes. I know. You have a nickname. But I, I, I familiarize <laughs> people, and so, you know, you, you, you're Russ to me, and I, I hope that never insults you, but it's always, it's always out of love. But um, so as we're, as we're coming to the end of this really great show, and, you know, I, 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 I wanted to just let our, our listeners know that um, they can visit. I'll be posting the um, online so that if somebody did miss the live show, they'll be able to go back and listen to it later. I'll have the link available for people so that they can follow it. And I just want to thank all of you for joining me today and being a guest on my show. It's just been beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. You're welcome. And I look forward to seeing you a week from tomorrow, everybody. So go out and have a fabulous day. And I'm going to say goodbye to you now. Take us out with a little bit of music. And I'll be ready to do a show again on Monday with my friend. Well, he, and I haven't met him, but everybody becomes my friend. His name is Ryan Howes, and he is a psychologist and a writer. 
and I look forward to him being with me on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks again for listening. Thank you. Thank you.